Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Cage Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 181 for the December 2022 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James, and I'm here with my first pick in the DC Connect. And the one that I'm looking at, believe it or not, it's the first thing I believe solicited, yeah, page number two, Superman number one, written by Joshua Williamson. And the art is the thing that made me call this out. The artist is Jamal Campbell. I think Jamal Campbell does terrific art, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll, he'll do a great job. They give, you know, basically a preview with the uh, cover he did here, and it's just terrific. I, I've been a fan of his ever since Naomi, and actually even before that. But the reason why I wanted to call out Superman number one, this is the Superman I'm going to be getting. And I know some of you guys might be thinking, what are you talking about, the Superman you're going to be getting? Well, I was getting Superman, I was getting Action Comics. Action Comics, I think it's with 1051, that's where I stopped getting the series. And the reason why is it's gone to an anthology. And the anthology is going to be of the other Superman, I guess you could say, the Superman family of characters. You know, I, I always thought Superman was unique. You know, he came the only Kryptonian. And, you know, then before you know it, you had everyone and their brother and uncle and families and cousins and the boys and girls. And 
anyway, there's so many super characters, it's ridiculous. So I like reading Superman himself. Some of the other characters are fine. I don't mind reading them, but I don't want to read an anthology about these characters. So, you know, when I look over at Action Comics and I see it has Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Jurgens, and Lee Williams. So you have three writers that are going to be writing it. It just seemed like it was something not for me because anthologies, if they're done, if they're good, they really, really, really work. If they're not good, and in the age of the DC backup story, which DC's moved to with the $5 titles, they tend to not work. And so I'm looking at this as like a collection of backup stories. And I, I just, you know, with cutting back, I don't want to do that. So I am going to be reading Superman number one. I like the artist, writers, Joshua Williamson. When he's, he's a solid writer. I wouldn't say he's the best writer. He's not a bad writer. He's solid. He, he can be really good. He can be solid. He's rarely great, but he's usually good to solid. And it says, it's the dawn of Z- DC. Superman has returned to Metropolis. Lo and behold, surprise, surprise. And his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor, is finally behind bars. The future of the Superman family has never been brighter. Sounds good. As Clark Kent settles back into his life, iconic and new enemies erupt from the shadows to strike down the Man of Steel. But waiting in the wings to back up Big Blue is Supercore. I was like, okay, Supercore. What secret project has Lex given to Superman? A hero is only as good as their villains. Will be put together to the test in this brand new oversized number one featuring comics greatest superhero by DC comic architect Joshua Williamson and award-winning superstar artist Jamal Campbell. So it says it's an oversized issue. It's five bucks. It doesn't mention anything about a backup story. So I'm hoping we don't get one in here. But And there's a whole slew of covers. There looks like there's, if I had to guess, 15 covers here. So pick whichever cover you want. I'll probably get the cheap one for $4.99 because I'm not paying $6.99 for an alternative cover. On to my next pick. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. My first pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page two with Superman number one, written by Joshua Williamson with art and cover by Jamal Campbell, and that's the cover I'll be getting. Variant covers are done by Andy Kubert, Ariel Colon, Ibrahim Mustafa, Ricardo Federici, Gabriel Rodriguez, Ed Bennis, and Wayne Foucher, Alexander Lozano, Francesco Matina, Nick Drago, and Jorge Jimenez. There's also a 1 in 25 black and white variant cover by Andy Kubert, a 1 in 50 variant cover by Tom Derenick, a 1 in 75 variant cover by Simone DeMeo, a 1 in 100 foil variant cover by Jamal Campbell, a 1 in 200 spot foil variant cover by Francesco Matina, and a Phantom Zone foil variant cover by Sebastian Fumara. I guess this one is $7.99, and the regular price is $4.99 for 32 pages, although in the solicit it says it's an oversized issue, so. I'm guessing maybe it's about 48 pages. But anyway, the cardstock variant covers are $5.99, and this issue is scheduled to go on sale on February 21st of next year. It's the dawn of DC. Superman has returned to Metropolis, and his greatest enemy, Lex Luthor, is finally behind bars. The future of the Superman family has never been brighter. As Clark Kent settles back into his life, iconic and new enemies erupt from the shadows to strike down the Man of Steel. But waiting in the wings to back up Big Blue is... Supercore? What secret project has Lex given to Superman? 
A hero is only as good as their villains. Will be put to the test in this brand new oversized number one featuring comics greatest superhero by DC Comics architect Joshua Williamson and award winning superstar artist Jamal Campbell. Reading this solicit made me very excited about the next storyline in Superman comic books. I enjoyed the Superman on War World storyline, but I'm glad he's back on Earth and it looks like the creative team has come up with a new and interesting and original storyline for the Man of Steel while keeping him true to his character. Maybe Warner Brothers Studios needs to let some of these creators get involved with the next Superman movie. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog. This one from page two. It is Superman number one. Now, Billy is covering this also, so I'm not going to go into all the details about the creative team and the publication information, but just wanted to point out that, you know, this is sort of kicking off this dawn of DC publishing initiative that they're doing, which anytime you put Superman front and center in the DC universe, I think that's a win. So I'm very curious to see how this will go and encouraged to see that, uh, you know, they've even got some good art talent here with Jamal Campbell. So hopefully this is the nice, light, upbeat, positive, forward-looking type superhero comics you expect with a character like Superman. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect previews is on page 5 with Action Comics number 1052, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Jurgens, and Lee Williams. And art is by Rafa Sandoval, Lee Weeks, and Marguerite Sauvage. The main cover is by Steve Beach, which is the one I'll be getting. A variant cover is by Clayton Henry and Marcelo Maiolo, with another variant cover by Rafa Sandoval and Matt Herms, as well as another one by Lee Weeks. And a 1 in 25 variant cover by Jorge Fornes, a 1 in 50 foil variant cover by Steve Beach, a Black History Month variant cover by Kari Randolph. The cover price is $4.99 for 48 pages, and the cardstock variant covers will be $5.99. And this issue is scheduled to be on sale on February 28th, the day after my son's 33rd birthday. Metallo attacks. The crown jewel of Superman's new metropolis is in ruins, and the increasingly violent Blue Earth movement is keeping the entire superfamily on their toes. Meanwhile, Metallo's powerful new body is evolving in unforeseen horrific ways. As Metallo's life and sanity continue to unravel, he sets out to capture the only person who can help him, John Henry Irons. It's Steel versus Metallo as a new era of action comics continues. And I'm just as excited about this solicit as I am the one for Superman number one. They seem to come up with an interesting challenge, not just for Superman, but for Metallo as well. Maybe they're going to look into what the real consequences would be to have a human brain inside a metallic or robot body. So I'm excited to see what's new for Superman in 2023. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the DC Connect. And this one's kind of a funny pick. I'm picking on page number eight, Lazarus Planet Omega. And you're wondering, why do I say that's a funny pick? 
the interesting thing is I got Lazarus Planet Alpha and I'm getting Lazarus Planet Omega. I want to know what's what kicked it off. I want to know what happens at the end, you know, so I kind of get my bearing. I don't want all the uh, anthology stories in the middle. So every one of the issues from Lazarus Planet, which there's literally uh, two of them solicited in here, they all have like four or five writers in here doing alternative takes on characters that are, if I had to guess, this is me just guessing and I don't know, they're not going to stick. Maybe we won't see these characters. I hope we don't see them. I mean, you'll see when I get to my Marvel picks, it's the same type of thing. Like, I'm out on Sins of Sinister over at Marvel. And the reason why it's 10 years in the future, if Sinister committed some sins from this and that, it's an alternative thing. I don't need to read it. I'm not getting any of those miniseries. I'm out. Forget it. And it's the same thing in this Lazarus Planet. I feel like it's just to me. I feel like, oh, it's not going to matter. I, For those of you who do read it, I hope you enjoy it. And please fill me in. It's something that on DC Infinite Ultra, I'll read those anthologies. I'll kind of go through and I'll be like, oh, this is good. Oh, this story is pretty good. This one stinks. But I don't want to pay money and collected space for one of those issues that and maybe I like two of the characters and I don't like the other three. But Lazarus Planet Omega is follow up and the alpha kicked off with the same two writers, Mark Wade and Gene Lu Yang. I hope I'm not butchering his name. It says Fate and Fury. The devil Nizha and his son are at war with all of humanity, caught in the middle. The Lazarus storms are intensifying worldwide. Earth's superheroes are on the ropes. And Batman is living on borrowed time. It's up to Zantana, the Spectre, the Demon, Clarion, and the rest of DCU's magic users to join Damian Wayne and set things right. But to do that, and by setting things right, mean basically reset it and pretend like this didn't happen. But to do that, they'll have to uncover Nisa's final explosive secret. Plus, Dreamer has rescued Dr. Fate's helmet from destruction. But why does it keep glowing like that? The dawn of the DCU begins as Lazarus planet crashes to a close. Okay, so with this close, I'm here for the, the dawn of the DCU. I'm not here for the Lazarus planet. So, But that's one of my picks because I want to see if I can follow along with not reading the, the stuff in between. I'm just getting the ends of the cookie. I'm not getting any of the frosting in the middle. So on to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect special catalog. What looks like should be page 14. Batman, One Bad Day, Clayface, number one. This is a one shot written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Zermonico. $7.99, 64 pages, the prestige format, so the square bound, normal sized pages. And I haven't bought any of these One Bad Day issues because I know they're just sort of a ripoff of the killing joke concept. But I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Clayface, and the write-up here sounds interesting, and there's a couple of pages of preview art that look pretty good from Germanico. Anyway, it says, All Basil Carlo ever wanted to be was an actor. No, one of the greatest actors there's ever been. However, his life went off course when he became the shape-shifting monster known as Clayface. After years of doing battle with Batman in Gotham City and distancing himself from his dream, Clayface goes out west to Los Angeles. Creating a new identity, he pursues his dream of acting, only to find that Gotham City isn't the only place with an overwhelming sense of dread to it, and that he might not have what it takes to make it in the City of Angels. So he'll reshape the city to fit his needs in a deadly pursuit of stardom. From the rising star creative team of Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing and Zerbonico, this is an epic tragedy not to be missed. 
So I'm hoping it does pay off. You know, Basil Carlo was always sort of played off as this, you know, tragic Shakespearean actor who had an accident or whatever. And, you know, if if this wouldn't have happened, he would have had a normal life. But now he's going to make the world pay for him being turned into a clay monster. And I I just laugh at the, the concept of here. He's going out to Hollywood to try to escape Gotham City and realizes that, you know, his real world problems don't disappear. And now he's going to make everybody else pay for it. So check this one out on sale February 21st, 2023. Hey everyone, Chris Brawley again and my picks for this month and my first pick for the preview spotlight is in DC Connect. It's on page 20 and I'm looking at a collection that I actually kind of referenced a month or so ago. It's the Spawn Batman or Batman Spawn Deluxe Edition hardcover featuring two of comics' darkest characters and all the stories where they cross paths. DC Comics and Image Comics have brought together Batman and Spawn on more than one occasion, teaming up their two vigilantes of the night who both avenge the innocent by their own methods. You know, that's what vigilantes do, uh, we hope. Uh, now, you know the drill, you know the comics, and now DC is putting out a deluxe edition hardcover that not only republishes 2022's Batman Spawn one-shot, but it also republishes 1994's Batman Spawn War Devil and the original Spawn Batman number one. Uh, along with a gallery of behind-the-scenes art from the new story, it also includes some behind-the-scenes material from the original stories of the 90s. So if you like collected editions the way I do, then you may want to check out this deluxe edition hardcover, Batman Spawn, over on page 20 of DC Connect. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 26. It's Shazam! Fury of the Gods special, Shazamly Matters, number one. This is a $9.99, 96-page, one-shot, prestige format. I'm always a sucker for these. Typically, they come out, you know, every, say, two to four months, about every quarter or so. Specials, usually themed around a holiday. In this case, they're doing one where each of the stories is about one of the different uh, members of the modern Shazam family. And it's being written by the actor who played those characters in the Shazam film and also the upcoming Shazam Fury of the Gods. So we've got the likes of Zachary Levi, Grace Caroline Curry, Ross Butler, DJ Catrona, Adam Brody, Faith Herman, Henry Gaden, Colleen Doran, Josh Trujillo, Tim Seeley, and others working on this project. And basically, that's all you really need to know. There's a little tagline about all those people writing in. It says, battle zombies befriend dinosaurs, try to get a phone signal in a world of barbarians, explore Glitterland, and more just in time for the release of the brand new feature film, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, made with all the love and fun, a superhuman family cookout. And this is on sale February 28th, 2023. I think that movie is supposed to come out like at the beginning of April. So anyway, could be interesting. I don't think it's going to directly tie into the movie at all, but a neat little bit of promotion and hopefully, you know, some fun little short stories. Billy Hogan again. My third DC pick is on page 34 with Wiz Comics number 2 Facsimile Edition, written by Bill Parker with art by C.C. Beck, Pete Costanza, Gregor Duncan, and Bob Kingett, 
The cover is by C.C. Beck, and the cover price is $6.99 for 62 page, 64 pages, pardon me, on sale February 21st, which would have been my late grandmother's birthday. Holy moly! See Billy Batson utter the magic word Shazam and summon Captain Marvel for the first time in this facsimile edition of Whiz Comics No. 2, featuring the Big Red Cheese, Dr. Savannah, Sterling Morris, and the wizard Shazam. This faithful recreation also contains backup stories starring Ibis the Invincible, Spy Smasher, Scoop Smith, Dan Dare, and more, all restored to their vibrant four-color glory. By Big Red Cheese, they're referring to Captain Marvel, which is another name for him, like the Man of Steel is another name for Superman. Now, you may wonder why DC is not reprinting Whiz Comics number 1. If I remember my comic book history correctly, Whiz Comics number 1 was what is called an Ashcan edition, meaning that it was created simply to secure the copyright so that it could be put on file with the copyright office. And for whatever reason, the actual first issue is Whiz Comics number 2. I couldn't pass up the chance to read the very first issue of Captain Marvel and his origin story. What's interesting to note is that during the Golden Age of Comics, Captain Marvel would outsell even Superman. And there was a long-standing, decade-long lawsuit between DC Comics and Fawcett Comics, which published Captain Marvel, where DC sued Fawcett for copyright infringement on Superman. Long story short, at the end of a decade of legal fighting, Fawcett Comics closed shop and Fawcett continued its other magazine publications. And DC Comics would eventually buy the rights to Captain Marvel in the 1970s. So if you would like a piece of comic book history, I would recommend picking up Whiz Comics number no. two facsimile edition. Billy Hogan again. My next DC pick is on page 36 with Batman Superman World's Finest number no. 12, written by Mark Wade, with art by Emma Lupacino. The main cover is by Dan Mora, which is the one I'll be getting. There's a variant cover by Dave Johnson and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Max Dunbar, and a 1 in 50 variant cover by Sweeney Boo. The cover price is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale on February 21st. The secret behind the Supergirl-Robin feud revealed. On a day not too long ago, a meeting between the Boy Wonder and the Girl of Steel began sweetly, became awkward, and ended so catastrophically, horrifically, jaw-droppingly, car-crashingly, disastrously, that among the Superman and Batman families, it is now enshrined as the world's finest example of how not to team up. This looks like it promises to be a fun, character-driven story. Crafted by the great storytelling mind of Mark Waite, so I can't wait to read it. 
My first pick is also on page 36 of the DC Connect and is also Superman Batman's World Finest number 12. I'm really curious about this first meeting between Robin and Supergirl, how it went, and I don't know, maybe it'll explain why Supergirl never joined the, the Teen Titans. So either way, I'm curious. I think it'll be a lot of fun, written by Mark Wade. so looking forward to that. Billy already talked about it. There's not much more for me to say other than I think you should check it out. So once again, that's Batman Superman World's Finest number 12 on page 36. Billy Hogan again. My final DC pick is on the very next page, number 37, with Batman, The Adventure Continues, Season 3, Issue number two of a seven-issue miniseries, written by Alan Burnett and Paul Denny, art and cover by Kevin Altieri, another cover is done by Nick Darrington, a variant cover by Daniel Warren Johnson, a villain variant cover by Ben Templesmith, and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Hayden Sherman. The cover price of the regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale February 14th. Bruce Wayne and Harley Quinn don't have much in common, except for Cassie Kendall. Beautiful and whip-smart, she nearly changed the course of Bruce's life when she was his high school sweetheart, and shortly thereafter became Harley's college fling. Now, after a long time away from Gotham, Cassie has returned and immediately has her sights set back on Bruce. But when Harley learns of Cassie's return, she is all too happy and manic and unpredictable to reconnect with her old college girlfriend. As Bruce's and Harley's paths cross, it becomes clear that all is not as it seems with Cassie Kendall. Now, I've enjoyed the other two Batman The Adventure Continues miniseries, which pick up the continuity of the animated series. These first two miniseries in the Batman animated series continuity are just as good as any episode of the animated series. So I'm confident that this miniseries will follow in that regard. And it seems to be a very good character-driven story, which is what I like most in comic books. This is Nick with another pick from the DC Connect catalog, this time from page 39. It's Harley Quinn number 27, written by Stephanie Phillips and art by Matteo Lolly. $3.99, 32 pages on sale at the end of February. And here's what they say. This has been an ongoing story with a sort of Harley of the multiverse type thing. So here's what the solicitation text says. This is it, folks. We have to drop the multiversal counterbalance serum at the center of the photon disruption before the imminent collapse of the entire multiverse. Just kidding. But could you imagine if that was how this story ended? No, thanks. We're going to have to save the world the old-fashioned way. With a large undead zombie, 50 to 80 Harleys from other universes, Kevin, and Poison Ivy. So, should be fun. In the modern era of, of Harley Quinn, I think really this is sort of on par, and I think a task worthy of the modern Harley to solve the, you know, collapse the multiverse with zombies and stuff like that. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect catalog from page 46. It's in their collected edition section 
Legends of the DC Universe, Carmine Infantino, written by Gardner Fox, John Broom, Robert Kaniger, and others, with art by Carmine Infantino. This is a $49.99, 408-page hardcover, looks like the standard size from the dimensions, and on sale March 28th next year. And this is one of these kind of spotlights of the different creators who've worked for DC over the years, this time focusing on Infantino himself. And it lists all the different comics that are in there, including some romance comics, western comics, Flash, of course, uh, even an Adventures of Rex the Wonder Dog, All-American Comics, and more. So check it out if you are a fan of his art. He's kind of one of the foundational creators of DC in the Silver Age, so this is definitely for those who are fans of that era and uh, Carmine's work. Hi, this is Jason with the pick from the DC Connect catalog. It's Sandman Mystery Theater Compendium Volume 1. This hefty book comes in at 984 pages and collects the first 36 issues of Sandman Mystery Theater and Sandman Mystery Theater Annual 1. This was a little bit of a darker take on Wesley Dodd's Sandman from the Justice Society of America. It's still set in the same time frame, so we're looking at like late 30s New York City and in this particular collection there's definitely some memorable villains that he ends up facing and some pretty serious societal problems that he ends up running into but what I really liked about this series was that they 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 made it a little more realistic and and of course Sandman's always been my favorite JSA member but I like how they they have him wearing a trench coat and a World War 1 gas mask and a fedora hat so it's kind of in that nostalgia era of, you know, noir and, you know, like the, the detective on the streets, like he doesn't have any powers. He does have a gas gun that puts people to sleep. What I do like, too, is that he's essentially running around with uh, Diane, who essentially is his partner, both in life and and in fighting bad guys, which is a little bit different than the other series. So she's basically his the person that helps him out, kind of his. Uh, sidekick, but also his Alfred, if you will. So very good series. They've never fully collected it as far as I can tell. Um, it was a 70 run, 70 issue run series, you know, originally from Vertigo and now under the black label. So it looks like hopefully they're finally reprinting this into giant compendium volumes. So I look forward to this. I, I ran into this when I was in high school. I didn't like the art and didn't make me think that I wanted to read it. But I went ahead and gave it a shot, and I think it's a it's a it's a different it's an alternate take on Wesley Dodd's Sandman, but I think it's a a pretty good a good take. So I definitely recommend that. My next pick is on page two of the Marvel previews. It is Immoral X Men, not to be confused with Immortal X Men. That's a totally different title. This is just three issue miniseries, part of the. Sins of Sinister stuff, I believe. Maybe it's great, maybe it's not. I'm curious about it. They've been teasing Sinister, kind of doing some gene mashing and stuff like that for a while, and this is where it seems to play out, so I'm checking it out for that. Once again, that's Immoral X-Men number one on page two of the Marvel previews. This is Nick with a pick from the Marvel previews catalog. This is from page 22, it looks like. Silver Surfer, 
Ghost Light, number one of five. So this is a mini-series being written by John Jennings, with art by Valentin Delandro, and listed as being $4.99, 40 pages. And I'll read you the solicitation here, and then just a, a selection from an article that I linked on the comic book page entry for this month's recordings. And anyway, let me just jump into it. It says, Tony Brooks and her family have moved into the quiet town of Sweetwater, but nothing is quite what it seems in their new home. What mystery did Tony and her family unravel that would call upon the sentinel of the spaceways, the silver surfer? And just who, or what, is Ghost Light? Eisner Award winner John Jennings and artist Valentin Delandro introduce a new Marvel hero over 50 years in the makings. So, that sounds interesting enough, but here's the write-up from Gizmodo.com. This was in response to the question of, basically, what is this mysterious ghost light? And uh, Jennings gives some further information. He said, I remember reading a reprint of Silver Surfer Number 5 as a kid. I do remember enjoying it, but not having the context to see what the story was trying to do. I was working on research for a new book that I am writing with my collaborator, Angelique Roche of Marvel's Voices, and I came across the story of Al B. Harper. The book, My Superhero is Black, is a chronological rough ride to the black characters created by Marvel from about 1950 to the present day. Dr. Harper was introduced a few months before the appearance of the Falcon. He was virtuous, handsome, and brilliant. He also willingly chose to sacrifice himself to save the world. The surfer then marks his grave with a cosmic flame to symbolize his heroism for all eternity. Now, I was reading this right after my oldest sister had passed away suddenly and in the midst of the global George Floyd protests. It just occurred to me that Dr. Al B. Harper could live again. I just saw so much potential in him, and thankfully Marvel agreed. It's hard to say why Dr. Harper hasn't been brought back sooner. I will say that he's always represented a symbolic resonance for Norrin as a proof of the goodness of humanity. So in this symbolic representation, he has remained. Even the title of the original story, And Who Shall Mourn for Him, shows that Stan Lee was attempting to have a conversation about civil rights in what I would almost term as a Black Death Matter story. It was my goal to answer that question, who shall mourn for him? Our miniseries seeks to respond to that query posed so long ago by one of the most iconic comics creators in history. The ghost light is a term taken from the theater. It's often said that all theaters have a ghost and that this light is for them. It also symbolizes that the show will go on after a theater closes, so many theaters had to shut down due to the pandemic. When I read about this, I knew that it would be a fine handle for a character who, like Lazarus, has come back for more adventures with his cosmic-powered ally. Anyway, sorry to go on such a diversion there, but I really felt it was important because the preview text for this really just is kind of a generic, oh, some hero Marvel's been teasing forever, but it, it, it really doesn't give the background for what's the motivation for this story or the fact that this does, in fact, tie back to a character from Silver Surfer number 5. And to be honest, I wish that in their catalog they had maybe provided some of that information, because it's easy to overlook these kind of mini-series, especially when they're teasing things and not really just coming right out with what's the premise of the story. So check this out. It should be interesting. I always love the Silver Surfer, and I'll have to go back and read that issue, too, just to kind of see what the setup was for this character. 
This is Nick with another pick from the Marvel Previews Catalog, this time from page 27, and it is Avengers Forever, number 14, with the tagline, Avengers Assemble, Chapter 7, The Greatest Gathering of Avengers in the History of Ever. So, man, lot to live up to. I know I'll probably regret buying this book. It's $3.99 and 32 pages, but I'm being hooked in, in the middle or near the end of this miniseries, probably by the fact that it has a giant picture or a giant image of like an ego, the living planet, but with a Dr. Doom mask on. And there is a little image of Dr. Doom sort of levitating in front of the planet. Here's what's written. Writer Jason Aaron, artist Jim Toe. And it says the mightiest heroes of the multiverse, the protectors of the prehistoric Earth and the mainstay Avengers of the present day Marvel Universe. At last, they all stand together in one place, united against a common foe. What enemy could dare stand against the greatest force ever assembled? Here comes Doom the Living Planet with the answer. So, I'm picking this up because this is one of these mashup type things, you know, with end of all time or the secret thing behind this event that'll get wiped away, whatever. But we have Ego the Living Planet and Doctor Doom merged together in some sort of way. So I am definitely going to check out this issue, and if by chance it's good, I may go back and try to track down some of the other parts of this Avengers Assemble story that's been going on. This is Jason with a pick from the Marvel Previews Catalog. On page 43, it's Amazing Spider-Man number 129, Facsimile Edition. As you can see, this is a repenting of the first appearance of the Punisher. And just a kind of a personal note about this particular issue. I think it was Amazing Spider-Man 4 and then this one, Amazing Spider-Man 129, along with all the other issues. But it was being reprinted in a series called Marvel Tales. And for some reason, when I was younger, I thought that I had the original appearance of Sandman in Amazing Spider-Man 4 and the original appearance of the uh, Punisher in Amazing Spider-Man 129 but it was under the uh, Marvel Tales banner. So just kind of a, a side note, you know, I thought I had a very valuable issue. So anyway, but yeah, you can kind of see that that first appearance of Punisher and how far he's come since that time. What I like about these first appearances is that, you know, you have a lot of first appearances of, I mean, every every person has their first appearance, but it is kind of interesting to see when and where they t- take a life you know, they take a life of their own, for example. And then there's some first appearances that you never hear from the character ever again. So obviously, Punisher, though he appeared in the, you know, issue of Amazing Spider-Man has gone on to have, you know, multiple movies, multiple comic series, you know, and and that kind of thing. You know, same thing with the Fantastic Four. That was another series where you'd have characters have their first appearance, and then they would, you know, go on to, um, you know, to have their own series and appear in other books and things like that. But for every one of those, there was probably several that, you know, we just haven't heard from since. But once again, the facsimile editions, you know, it, it, it has letters pages. It has the ads, you know, all these things. So I did find this issue enjoyable when I read it, and I plan on getting that one as well. So highly recommend that if you're looking for the first appearance of The Punisher. Billy Hogan again. My only Marvel pick is on page 43 with Miracle Man, Silver Age number 5, written by Neil Gaiman, art and cover by Mark Buckingham, cover B is by Martin Cocolo, 
Miracle Man continues his search for Dickie Dauntless, a.k.a. Young Miracle Man. As we learn more about Miracle Man's forgotten past, we see that he could use all the help he can get. But will he accept it? It's rated mature and is scheduled to be in shops on February 15th for the cover price of $4.99. Now there is a connection with Miracle Man and Captain Marvel in the previous solicit for the facsimile edition of Wiz Comics number 2. When Fawcett closed its comic book shop, the British comic book publisher who had the rights to print Captain Marvel Adventures in Britain decided to create their own version of Captain Marvel and he called him Marvel Man and it was created by Mitch Anglo I believe his name was and over time the name was changed to Miracle Man to avoid any copyright problems. I've been interested in Miracle Man for a long time, and I'm glad that Marvel is finally bringing that series back to life. Hey, this is James. I'm here in the Marvel Supplemental, and I skipped past quite a few things. I'm definitely not on board for this whole Sins of Sinister thing going on with the X-Men, all these little spin-off reissue books. I'm just not that interested in it. And then, you know, you get to the Red Goblin. It's basically like a symbiote goblin. So I skipped a lot of stuff before I got to stuff that I actually enjoy. But over on page 44, I wanted to point out there's a Punisher War Journal base number one. It's by, I'm going to butcher the guy's name, Torin Gronbeck. I think that's how it's spelled or how it's pronounced. I honestly don't don't know. And the artist is just as bad. Jibril Morissette Fan. Hope I didn't butcher these. This one says it's the origin of the War Journal. It's $4.99, 40 pages. It's a one-shot. These war journals that they've been doing in conjunction with the main Punisher series have been coming out quarterly. So quarterly, you get a new Punisher war journal with a new little story spin. Sometimes it ties into the main Punisher story, but sometimes it can be read on its own. And this one, it says, before he was the Punisher, Frank Castle was a husband, a father, and a Marine. Not necessarily in that order. And this story from between the pages of the regular Punisher series, Frank tries to come home, but finds it impossible to leave the war behind him. A lot of these series, and the main Punisher series, is giving views into Frank and telling almost his origin story. It's going back to him as a child at some points. It's going back to the very early days and fleshing out things that have just not been touched on. You know, we basically saw Frank and born by, what's his name, Garth Ennis. And, you know, that's kind of where we see the Punisher. Well, the Punisher was created and the Punisher existed before that. So the take that Garth Ennis took was he was born on the battlefield. He was born as a Marine into the killer we see today. And it, the very first page of, you know, basically born issue number one, if you read it, Frank commits a murder on the battlefield with a superior officer. So basically what this thing is, you know, they made his face very dark in that you know, Garth Ennis issue born. Basically, it's saying Frank has a darker side. He was a killer. The war didn't make him a killer. And that's what I think Garth Ennis was trying to show us there with that very first issue that a lot of people overlook. So what happened is we're getting the Jason Aaron going into it. Jason Aaron, when he's writing his dark stuff like Southern B-Word or where he's writing like just in a darker frame, he actually writes very well. He does those biblical books too, which are, are terrific. But 
So what basically what we're getting is we're getting a, a view back at the Punisher, earlier life, stuff that ties into his origin. This one's going to be good. Every one of the war journals I picked up by Torin Gronbeck has been good. Jason Aaron writes the main Punisher series. Torin does the war journals. And like I said, they're quarterly. So if you want to see what it's about, pick this one up. It's a one shot and you can probably read it on its own and enjoy it for what it is. I've been loving the series. On to my next pick. Hey, it's Chris Brawley, the Brawlinator again, and I'm enjoying Marvel's X-Men Legends series. It's been bringing back X-Men's greatest creators to return to the team, creating all new in-continuity tales that are set during their original iconic runs. And this month is no different. It's issue six, and the reason I mention it is it's bringing Will Spataccio and Brian Haberlin back for a two-part arc starting in January which will reveal new insights into Bishop's original mission. Now, I'm not a big fan of what Marvel's been doing with Bishop in their modern stories. Actually, not at all. But I'm a big fan of the character, and this story is going to reveal the genesis of Bishop's fateful time travel mission that originally pulled him from the future and back into the X-Men's present. So it's set right before his first appearance in classic Uncanny X-Men 282, of course, it's from Wills Portacio, who is just an incredible artist, and it's a two-story art, uh, so issues six and seven, but it's going to shed new light on Bishop's original motivations and the intense guilt that he feels over his fallen teammates, and I expect, at least it's being marketed as such, that it's going to provide surprising depth to the dystopian world that Bishop left behind. Boy, it really sounds intriguing, and if you're a fan of the character, particularly of uh, those early 90s X-Men stories, this is going to be for you. If you like Bishop, Will Spartacio, you won't want to miss it. So check it out. It's X-Men Legends number six over on page 48 of the Marvel Previews Supplemental. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel Supplemental. This time I'm back in the collected editions and I'm looking at on page 86, Black Cat by Jed McKay Omnibus hardcover. There's two different covers on this. There's a Pepe Larraz cover, which looks really good. I guess that's the main cover. And then there's an Inyuk Lee cover, if you like his style of art, for the direct market. You've probably heard John and I talk on back issue spotlights, and we both really enjoyed the Black Cat series when it came out by Jen McKay. So from time to time, he's come out with these Black Cat series, and they tend not to stick around for too long, you know, 10, 12 issues. And then they disappear, probably because they don't have the readers there, but they were written very well. You could almost pick up any issue and read it and enjoy it for what it is. They were a done-in-one story, kind of, but with an overarching main story. So if you're in that for the long haul, there's some payoff in there, too. It, it was done terrifically. The writing was great in it. The art was terrific in it. This one, of course, written by Jed McKay. It says with Now Fuji. I, I don't know who Now Fuji is, and I don't know what he did. Just for the life of me, I just can't remember. It's penciled by a lot of pencilers. So it's Travel Foreman, Michael Dowling, Chris Anka, Carlos Villa, Nina Vacuva, Joey Vasquez, Pere Perez, gosh, and more. Okay, there's more than that. It's 792 pages. You can get a 46% discount from ordering it from Deep Discount Comics, but it's 100 bucks at retail. I'm going to be paying like 56 bucks for it for the 792 pages. And it's one that I really enjoyed enough to where I'm definitely going to double dip. And I wanted to do a shout out on this one because I know John enjoyed it too. He's not really an omnibus guy, 
But if you like the series enough, who knows? Maybe he'll pick it up. On to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the Marvel Supplemental. And this time I'm over on page 89 for an omnibus that I knew was going to be forthcoming. It is finally here. And it's one that I'm just really excited about. It is the Immortal Hulk hardcover on page 89 and is written by Al Ewing. Now, there were some other issues. There's Bill Montalo, Peter David did some stuff, Crystal Frazier, and Alex Pacnadel. I'm butchering that. Al Ewing did the bulk of the work here. This is kind of known as the Al Ewing run on Hulk, the Immortal Hulk. And it's penciled by Joe Bennett. He did a fantastic job on the art. Most He did almost all the issues that were with Al Ewing. There's Lee Garbett, there's Kyle Hotz, Ryan Bodenheim, German Garcia, Javier Rodriguez, Butch Geis, Mike Hawthorne, and on and on. I'm not going to read all these names. The covers that you get on this are by Alex Ross, and that's both for the main cover and the direct market cover. I'm probably going to get that direct market cover. I mean, I like them both, but I'll just get the one with the close-up of the Hulk. It's kind of nice looking. I like that. Now, the one thing I'm going to tell you about this, it's kind of interesting. I didn't tell you, you know, all the issues that were covered in the Black Cat series, but it's 800 pages of Black Cat material by Jen McKay. But this one, I'm going to tell you something, and there's a reason why I'm going over this. This one includes Immortal Hulk number 1 through 50 and 0. That is the whole run of Immortal Hulk. But that's not all they smashed and slammed into this book. They got the Immortal Hulk, the best defense defenders, the best defense absolute carnage, Immortal Hulk, Immortal Hulk She-Hulk, King of Black, Immortal Hulk, Gamma Flight 1 through 5, and material from Avengers number 684, and Immortal Hulk Time of Monsters. So they're putting all this in here. This is going to be one of the largest omnibuy from Marvel that you can buy. It is almost 1,600 pages. It is just shy of it. It's 1,592 pages of material for 150 bucks. Now, I will only be paying about $80 for this because I'm going to be using Deep Discount Comics, and Eric gives me a heck of a discount on it. But this is a big one. This is top shelf material. This has been a definitive run of the Hulk. I love Peter David's run of the Hulk. I have all of that stuff in Omnibus. This is another really, really good run. So if you're a fan of the Hulk, read this. What I would say over when you're reading Peter David's Hulk, it's fantastic. But it, it harkens back to the, the you know the 90s and the 2000s, just a little bit earlier, even the 80s, the tail end of it. This, you're going to be reading stuff that's written more like a modern comic, I would say. So if you're put off at all, I, I'm not put off by it. Some people get put off by reading older comic material. Because it's very different reading than, you know, reading a comic today than reading one back in the 1980s. It just is. It's, it's not the same experience. Pick this up. It's a definitive run of the Hulk, and it's got that modern feel that you'll enjoy. And there's lots of Easter eggs in this run where he's referencing, honestly, the Peter David run. So we were doing the book club with the Peter David omnibus. And we did the, like, the first whole omnibus and half of the second omnibus before Brawlinator and I and Marvin and, <laughs> and Chris and everyone, we, we all just kind of tapped out. We're like, okay, we've had enough of this. That, that, that's a lot of Hulk to read in a row. But we were noticing Easter eggs because I was reading The Immortal Hulk as it was coming out in the single issues. I'd be like, oh yeah, he was just writing about this in The Immortal Hulk. That's kind of hilarious because I'd forgotten all the stuff it harkened back to. So if you have a really good memory, you'll see those Easter eggs. If not, read the Peter David Omnibuy and then read this and you'll be like, oh my gosh, yeah, I see he's totally 
I wouldn't say cribbing on it, but paying homage to it, you know, and just a tip of the hat, Peter David, thanks for what you did. And let me tell my own story. So really cool stuff. I really enjoyed the run. It was terrific. And on to my next pick. Brawlinator, again, I'm still in the Marvel catalog, and I'm on page 89. It is another collected edition that I want to mention this month. It's Immortal Hulk from Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. They took Bruce Banner to hell and back, and this is the complete internal infernal saga. The Immortal Hulk, internal, infernal, I guess <laughs> both would apply. Every time Bruce dies, he rises again as the Hulk, and he is being hunted, of course, by the government, by Alpha Flight, by the mysterious Shadow Base, and even by the Avengers. Uh, but Bruce has even bigger problems. Something terrible has infected him. Something with unspeakable plans for humanity. And the answers lie beyond the green door. The only people who already read this when it was coming out will know what I mean. The book does feature friends and foes, both old and new, as well as multiple Hulk personas. This was a critically acclaimed horror reinvention of a Marvel icon. And it collects Immortal Hulk 1-50 through 50 and Issue 0, Immortal Hulk The Best Defense, Defenders the Best Defense, Absolute Carnage, Immortal Hulk, and many other titles. You're going to want to check this out, particularly if you missed it the first time. Uh, it is the Immortal Hulk Omnibus Collection. You know, it also collects Immortal She-Hulk number one and Gamma Flight one through five and a little bit of material from the Avengers 684, Immortal Hulk time. I mean, it's just chock full. This is a massive omnibus that you're going to want. But again, it's over on page 89 of the Marvel Previews. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm in the image section in the main uh, previews catalog. And I'm looking at a new number one, and I'm really, really, really debating on if I'm going to get it. But I, at the same time, I did want to point it out. And because I'm just not sure. Okay, the on page 48, it's a local man. The story, art, and cover are by Tim Seeley and Tony Fleeks. Now, I'm not recommending this because of Tim Seeley, even though there's a lot of Tim Seeley fans. I'm recommending this because of Tony Fleeks. He did Stray Dogs, and John and I did a back issue spotlight on it, and I thought he did a fantastic job. So I'm in it more for Tony Fleeks if I do get this series. And, and the, the other thing that I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting this, is it's just such a b bizarre mishmash. Okay. I'm going to read you the solicit. It, 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 by the way, the, the heading, it says crime and mystery superheroes. You're like, what? Crime and mystery slash superheroes. All right. Stray Dogs creator Tony Fleeks teams with Revival's Tim Seeley for a series that combines rural crime noir, okay, and superhero action. Bizarre. How do those two come together? We don't know. Okay. Once the star recruit of the media sensation super team, third gen Jax Zaver, had it all. But then Controversy sends Cross Jack crawling back to his mom in dad's basement in the Midwest. Jack struggles to fit into a world he left far behind. And then the bodies start piling up. Okay, each issue is a classic image comics flip book with a lead story drawn by Fleeks and a superhero flashback into the depths of the image universe drawn by Seely. And I was just like, what? I don't know. It's a flip book. And you look at it. I flipped the page and I'm like, what's going on here? So I, I'm not sure. I don't know if these belong together. I don't know. It's almost like I, I don't know what to expect. I think that I would like the crime and mystery story. I'm not sure about the superhero story because the superhero story looks so 90s. If you look at the art, it looks like 
there's X's on the characters' faces and crosses on them. It looks like it'd be a cable you know, or somebody from X-Force or X-Factor jumping out of these planes. I mean, it's just bizarre. So you have these X characters from the 90s lookalikes in an image comic with crime noir. And I really don't know. Tony Fleeks makes me want to get it. Tim Seeley in the 90s superhero art makes me not want to. But I want to point out because it's so weird that I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. But it's something that I think some people are going to really love. And if this sounds like something you would like, check it out. And if you do get it, write about it on the Sock Channel and tell me what you thought about it. Because I may pick it up, just issue number one, just to see what it's like. But I'm still debating right now. I haven't sent it in my order. Okay, on to my next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick and image. And this one's going to be a quick one. I think you guys have all heard John and I rattle on and do back issue spotlights or uh, back when the issues were coming out, do you know the weekly comic spotlight on Astro City. But yeah, on page 82, Astro City Metro Book Volume 3 is coming out. Volume 1 and 2 are being resolicited. These are very, very thick trade paperbacks, very nicely presented. The stories by Kurt Busiek. The covers by Alex Ross, arts by Brent Eric Anderson and Alex Sinclair. With these, uh, this one, you get 496 pages. Let's basically say 500 pages for $34.99. If you're buying it through Eric over at Cowabunga or, or Deep Discount Comics, you're going to get 40% off that at least, unless he has a special. But you can pick up the other two. They're resolicited on here. If you haven't read Astro City, it's superheroes done right. It harkens back to the 80s. So if you're like an 80s comic fan, you'll love Astro City. Pick it up. Check it out. On to my next pick. My next pick is also on page 82 of the previews catalog and is also Astro City Metro Book Volume 3 trade paperback. James already talked about it. Not much more for me to say. This is covering the Dark Age stuff with Charles and Royal Williams, which I'll be honest, I didn't think was the high point of Astro City, but it's still some good stuff. And we get the two issues of the Silver Agent storyline, so looking forward to it. Big fan of Astro City. I'm glad they're getting it back in print. Hopefully we'll be getting some more new stories soon. So once again, that's Astro City Metro Book Volume 3 Trade Paperback on page 82 of the Previews Catalog. Billy Hogan again. My only Image Comics pick is on page 91 with Junkyard Joe number 5, written by Jeff Johns. The story and cover art are by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. Cover B is by Bart Sears. And if I was going to get an alternate cover, I probably might get this one because I loved his art way back when he did the art for the Justice League Europe series. Cover C is by Oscar Jimenez. And cover D is by Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. The tales of Mad Ghosts Unnamed continue as the robot soldier called Joe must protect himself and three children from a clandestine group of killers who want to claim Joe for their own deadly desires. What these assassins don't yet know is that they are in for the fight of their lives. It's scheduled to be in shops on February 22nd for the cover price of $3.99. Junkyard Joe was a minor character in the Geiger series, yet for as small of a part as he had in that series, he was a very interesting character, and I'm glad that Jeff Johns and the art team have developed him into his own series. 
Sprawlinator again, and I'm on page 138 in the main previews catalog, and it's straight from the Slack channel recommendations. I don't know if any of you subscribe to the Substacks that got launched a little over a year or so ago, but James Tinian came out with a really intriguing comic there called Blue Book, and this is now his print editions coming to Dark Horse. Uh, he's doing issue one. He, th- we're launching with issue one. It's a five-issue limited series of an ambitious nonfiction comic book experience depicting quote-unquote true stories of UFO abductions with an eye to capturing the strange essence of those encounters. Now, in this debut issue, Tinian presents what he's calling true weird stories, tales of ordinary people encountering the strange and impossible. He teams with fabulous uh, artist Michael Avon Oming, who did an excellent Dick Tracy series not too long ago. And they're retelling some of the most popular UFO and alien encounter accounts, starting with the infamous Betty and Barney Hill abduction, which was a widely publicized tale, and also the very first abduction tale that went on to shape and influence all future encounter stories. Check it out. It's in the Dark Horse Comics section. It's called Blue Book. It's on page 138. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from page, looks like it's, yeah, starts on 138. Blue Book, number one of five, from Dark Horse Comics, and I always like to point out that they put the creators' names up here in big, bold exclamations of James Tunyon IV, Michael Avon Oming. This is, of course, number one of five, $4.99 for 32 pages. It's a mini-series, so not a huge commitment. Basically, it is... James Tinian using the format to highlight what he calls, oh, what did I read somewhere, Tales of the Strange or Tales of the True, oh, True Weird, here it is later down in the solicitation text. It says, in this debut issue, Tinian presents what he calls his True Weird Stories, Tales of Ordinary People Encountering the Strange and the Impossible. Teaming with artist Michael Avon Oming, they retell some of the most popular UFO an alien encounter accounts, starting with the infamous Betty and Barney Hill abduction, the widely publicized and very first abduction that went on to shape and influence all future encounter stories. So check this one out if you're kind of a UFO stories fan, you know, like watching these History Channel documentaries or Travel Channel or wherever these things come on late at night. It's just neat. This is following along some quote-unquote true stories accounts from various people about their encounters and things like that and so i don't know kind of an interesting format for these characters for these creators this is nick with a pick from the main previews catalog from page 144 in the dark horse section it's masters of the universe masterverse number one of four the writer here is tim seeley with art by eddie nunez And I'm highlighting this, even though I'm not the biggest fan, necessarily, of He-Man and Masters of the Universe, but I've seen some of the cartoons, probably most of the cartoons growing up, and so I'm generally, you know, familiar with the property. But highlighting this in case people didn't quite catch it flipping through the catalog, it's, you know, a, a multiverse thing you'll see here in a second, but it is also a opportunity for them to highlight some you know, well-known creators and give them a chance to spin off an unusual tale. And here's the solicitation text. And this is only $3.99. 
in the depths of Castle Grayskull, the sorceress and Zodak debate the value of He-Man. To save the life of her champion, the sorceress must take the Cosmic Enforcer on a tour of the multiverse. First, a tour across a world where a dim, barbaric He-Man bumbles through a world of annoying warrior goddesses and boar demons as he's pursued by a hungry green tiger in a tail drawn by the legendary Sergio Aragonis. Then, a stop in an Eternia, where the power of Grayskull summons an entirely different warrior in a horrific ghost story, illustrated by Kelly Jones. Written by Masters of the Universe alumni Tim Seeley, with a framing story by Eddie Nunez, this is an anthology series not to be missed. So, I do need to go back and amend the written by Tim Seeley and art by Eddie Nunez, as that is only the framing story, where here we do have some great art by former greats in the industry, and I don't know, it's an anthology series, so, you know, it'll probably have some varying quality, but with artists like that, and it's only four issues, I think it'll be fun to see the different takes on the universe and see where they go with it. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog from the Dark Horse section, page 154. It is Madman Library Edition Volume 4, a hardcover. These are the sort of oversized, it may be like a little bit taller than an omnibus, $99.99. So hopefully you can find a deal on this one if you pre-order it. Of course, the writer and main artist on all this stuff is Michael Allred. And I'm a fan of the character, and I think this is really great that this is a chance to get all of the material compiled into one place, a nice formatted book you can put on your bookshelf. I've enjoyed, I guess we did just recently get the third volume of this, so I've enjoyed all of these, and this is hopefully another great entry. There's going to be six total volumes, so we're a little over halfway at this point. The issue, or the, the volume goes on sale April 5th, and is 512 pages, and this is going to collect the Madman Atomic Comics 1 through 17, It Girl, and also some one-shots, uh, Spaceman and Mr. Gum. So check this one out if you've been following along, and if you have not picked these up but you're a big Madman fan, check out some of the YouTube flip-through videos and see if this is something you might be interested in. I highly recommend it if you're a fan of All Red or have read any of the Madman stories before. It's just a great way to package these all together. And that was my last pick for the month, so I hope everybody has a great Happy New Year and a Merry Christmas, if that's what you celebrate here. And we'll see you on the flip side in 2023. Go read and enjoy some comic books. This is Jason with my last pick of the month. This time on page 163 of the previews catalog, it's Creepy Archives Volume 1. It says, gather your wooden stakes and silver bullets and descend into horror history with Creepy Archives Volume 1, reanimated in a value-priced paperback format and in its original magazine size. This gruesome grimoire presents some of the finest works by comics legends Archie Goodwin, Frank Fazetta, Al Williamson, Reed Crandall, Alex Toth, Joe Orlando, and more. Collects Creepy Magazine issues 1 through 5 and includes original Letters, pages, text, features, and ads. So this was a, a series, magazine series, that kind of came right after the, you know, when when the comic crash of the 1950s where 
essentially all horror comics were banned. So no va- vampires, werewolves, zombies, etc. And so a lot of the artists and writers, and they, they came over to Jim Warren, who had started uh, Warren Publishing. And so this series ran for 145 issues, so 145 magazines. It had a sister magazine called Erie Magazine as well, and that ran for 139 issues. So essentially, it was magazine format, so it was not under the Comics Code Authority, so they were able to publish different horror stories without that restriction. Now, that being said, it is definitely tame and a lot of off, off-panel action, I guess you could say, or violence, or the thought of violence kind of happens in this case, versus uh, modern-day comics, which tends to show a lot more. I do like the sense uh, that it's kind of a, you know, it's essentially a facsimile edition. So you're going to have ads, letters, pages, and things like that, which is really cool. And another thing to note is uh, Joe Orlando would go on to become the editor of the House of Mystery, House of Secrets, and and some other DC horror titles and help to revitalize the DC horror genre in the 1970s. So so it's kind of interesting kind of how all the legacy kind of wraps, wraps together from EC Comics to Creepy and Eerie Magazine for Warren Publishing, and then on into, you know, DC Comics, you know, House of Mystery, House of Secrets. So I highly recommend that. It sounds like something you guys would like. Hey, this is James, and I'm here with the big one, the pick of the month, and it's a free comic book day pick. (laughs) I almost did a recording on this. I think it was like page 20-something where it was first solicited under the free comic book day offerings, but they also solicited it on page 242 for the main publisher's listing, which they're now a kind of premier publisher, Titan Comics. We have Conan the Barbarian, free comic book day edition, writer, Jim Zub, artist, Roberto De La Torre, or De La Torre, I don't know. <laughs> what they get says in bright red lettering, created by the team behind the new ongoing series, Jim Zub, Roberto De La Torre, Jose Villarubia, and then it kicks off a new ongoing series from Titan Comics and Heroic Signatures launching July of 2023. Said July of 2023, that's when the new series is coming out. They're soliciting the free comic book day issue here. It says, on the eve of his first major battle, young Conan of Samaria pictures a life beyond the borders of his homeland and yearns for a life of adventure undreamt of in his small village. Visions of future allies and unspeakable evils. He will eventually encounter throughout his fable career, fill in his mind as he makes the choice to take his first fateful step into the Hyborian Age. So it's saying look out for the issue number one in the May 2023 previews down at the bottom. I'm excited for this. I love Conan. Conan is something that should always stay in print. I I wish Marvel would have just cut the license, honestly, and especially finished the Savage Short of Conan. Um, big omnibuy. But the good news is, beyond doing this, and by the way, up in the free comic book day solicit at the very front of the previews, I'm trying to flip up there right now, it's on page 34 actually, it says exclusive original material. I underline that. So there's exclusive original material in this Conan free comic book day. And I think they're going to do original material for their Conan work. I don't think they're just going to rehash the same stories. I could be wrong, but we'll see. The way that's written, it could be like there's just a little extra in here. Or it could be new stories that are there telling with Conan. Don't know. We'll find out. But the other good thing is Titan is going to be reprinting, or not reprinting, but printing and finishing the Savage Short of Conan omnibus editions for the Marvel's material. And we're 
kind of debating what they're going to do, if they're going to start over at number one. We're hoping not. I think they left off at volume eight, so I'm hoping they pick right back up at volume number nine. And I'm going to pick up all of those omnibus because I love that material. Keep it in hardcover. It's a beautiful presentation. I love everything from the forwards to the extra material you get in them. It's just terrific, fantastic stuff. I know there are a lot of Conan fans out there. I mean, the people on the book club are all Conan fans. So this is the one we've been waiting for. Here it is. On to my next pick. Brawlinator again, and you know, I'm a little conflicted. Titan Comics has taken over the Conan the Barbarian license from Marvel, and now they are kicking off their highly anticipated run of Conan the Barbarian, an all-new series, through a free comic book day issue by Jim Zub and artist Roberto De La Torre. Now, on the eve of his first major battle, a young Conan of Sumeria pictures a life beyond the borders of his homeland and yearns for a life undreamt of in his small village. Visions of future allies and unspeakable evils he will eventually encounter throughout his fabled career fill his mind as he takes his first fateful step toward a life of great adventure in the Hyborian Age. Okay, so they're going back to the beginning, which I guess is to be expected. But unfortunately, they're also going back to the beginning with their omnibus reprint order decisions. As many of you may know, particularly people on the Slack channel, uh, guys like Marvin and James and I and others have been really thrilled with the Savage Sword of Conan omnibus editions that were coming out from Marvel. And they got up through uh, volume eight and then they let go of the license. So there was a lot of discussion from Titan and uh, affiliates of Hero Click, I think, or Signatures, Hero Signatures, I can't remember the company, but that they were going to put out volume one again with new trade dress, but also then going to pick up with volume nine later in the year. And we just found out today, or at least I found out today watching a video that they are not going to put out volume nine. So everyone that's just been sort of waiting for that ninth volume are going to have to wait. It looks like I could be wrong, but several years because they're just starting all over again. And there's no, I have no interest in double dipping because I already have all that material in gently read editions and some of them have not been read yet. So I may not be happy with their omnibus reprint order decisions, but I will definitely be checking this out, particularly since it's a free comic book day edition. And uh, I think you should too. Check it out. It's over on page 242. And I should say about those omnibus editions uh, coming out from Titan, if you missed any of those coming out, I can't recommend them enough. The Savage Sword of Conan in particular, they were black and white. They were adults, so they were a little bit bloodier, a little bit sexier, a little bit rawer. But the artwork was just, oh, it's just tremendous. So if you like sword and sorcery, you will love it. If you missed any of them, go ahead and get them. They looked like they're going to fit perfectly with your Marvel collection if you have a few of those sporadically. So check it out. Again, this free comic book day, it's on page 242. The omnibus that I just spent way too much time talking about are not being solicited yet. So sorry. Uh, Tune into the Slack channel for more news on that stuff. Brawlinator again. You know, and I'm back on page 256. I just talked about the Conan the Barbarian Free Comic Book Day edition from Titan, but now I'm in the Ablaze Comics edition, and I've been a big fan of their Conan reprints, which they have to call the Sumerian due to legal problems. But, you know, the stories are all in public domain from overseas, and they are republishing them uncensored 
It's Robert E. Howard's Sumerian graphic novels, and they've relettered them in English and made them available in both floppies and been collecting them in hardcovers. Now, if you've missed any of this, you've really missed out. And now, Ablaze is releasing a very handsome slipcase box edition that collects all four of the first hardcover volumes. Now, each one of these volumes contains two complete stories, and those complete stories were anywhere from between two and four floppy issues each, monthly issues. Plus, you're going to get bonus material, including the original prose stories from Robert E. Howard. It's all in one epic hardcover collection with a slipcase. It's going to be magnificent. That's all their collected edition so far, too, is the four volumes. And these are, I mean, classic tales like Red Nails, People of the Black Circle, and much, much more. You can read the solicit for yourself. It's on page 256. If you missed out on these when they came out in singles or hardcover, now is probably the best time for you to get in on these incredible comic tales of everyone's favorite barbarian. Again, it's on page 256. It's the Sumerian box set from Ablaze, and you can just get caught right up with the rest of us and be ready for the next editions to come out soon. And that's it for me. Thanks again to John and James and just everyone that helps make the Comic Book Page podcast and the Slack channel so just fun and possible. Uh, It is a great community. I do encourage you guys to join in the discussions. And I hope everyone has a happy Hanukkah, a very Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. I hope some of you guys will consider joining our book club the next time around. And, oh, I hope those that don't celebrate any of those holidays, I hope you have a fun Festivus for the rest of you. And uh, I look forward to hearing your selections this month. My next pick is on page 270 of the previews catalog, and I'll probably get it, but I'm not sure. It is Ancient Enemies, the the Genie, or Genie, or I don't know how to pronounce this. It's a one-shot, giving kind of the backstory on one of the characters from Ancient Enemies. This is Dan Didio's title over at Frank Miller Presents Publisher, and... I haven't, I've gotten, but I haven't read Ancient Enemies number one yet, so if I hate that, I may not get this, but on the assumption that's decent, I'm curious what Dan Didio's doing over in this area and stuff like that, so I'm curious, I may check it out. Not guaranteed, though. Once again, then, Ancient Enemies, the Genie, or Genie, or whatever, number one, on page 270, and actually, it's on page 271, the ad's on page 270, so on page 271 of the previews catalog. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is on page 278 from Abstract Studios with Parker Girls number 5. The writer, cover, and story artist is Terry Moore. Tambi convinces Kachu to return to her Parker Girl role in order to catch a billionaire selling tech secrets to a hostile nation. But things get off to a rocky start when the target recognizes Kachu from her party days and wants to resume where they left off. Don't miss a single issue of this action-packed series from the creator of Strangers in Paradise, Rachel Rising, and Serial. It's scheduled to be in shops on February 15th for the cover price of $3.99. Whenever I receive a Terry Moore comic book issue in my... Shipments from Discount Comic Book Service. I always save it to read last because I know that it's going to be one of the best comics that I'll read that month. And I'm sure that Parker Girls number 5 will be no different than any other Terry Moore issue. 
He really writes convincing, realistic characters, and he's great at character development as well as story pacing. And Terry Moore is on my short list of comic book creators that whenever they come out with a new series that I'll make sure that I add it to my collection. Hi, it's Marvin. I'm on page 302 in AWA, and I'm calling out Black Tape number one. Creative team is Dan Panosian and Dalibor Talajak. Don't think I said that right. I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. Jack King was a rock and roll god who projected a stage persona on par with the devil. After Jack dies on stage, his widow, Cindy, grapples with grief and struggles to protect his legacy, unaware that she is being surrounded by dark forces that cover the master tapes to Jack's final unreleased album, a heavy metal masterpiece that just might open the doorway to hell. Okay, I, I'm not going to sell it any more than that. I mean, come on, you got to jump in. I love AWA. It's like four issue mini, by the way. Their product is just generally always good. They do this thing where they always have Mike Diodato do a, a variant cover on their first issues. That's, that holds true here, but I probably won't get that one. I'm probably just going to go with the A cover. They also have an homage to a, a classic metal album. They have a cover that's a, a homage to that. And uh, if, you can, if you can name that album to me in Slack, I'll give you a no prize. Yeah, I'm going to check this out for sure. Uh, check out everything from A to B. I hope you, you uh, jump in on that one too. This is Marvin again, and I'm still in the back of the book. I will only call out things in the back of the book, it seems. I'm on page 339 in Fantico Enterprises, Inc. Looking at Screaming Horror number three, it's a resolicit. It was previously, I think it was supposed to come out toward the end of last year or maybe Halloween-ish last year. This year, it's not next year yet. And I've got Scream Horror, Screaming Horror one and two. They both came out years ago, 2019 and 2021. So, you know, it's not a real frequent published book, but, you know, it's a, a horror book, obviously, black and white, feels very indie, and I missed it when it got, when it was originally solicited, so spotted it this time, and I will be picking that up, because, you know, I have to have the complete collection. I want all three issues of this really silly magazine, or comic book. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm over on page 349 of the Humanoids section, in the back half of the previous catalog, where I found the Jodorowsky Library, book number five, The White Llama and the Magical Twins. Uh, there's some sample artwork in here. By the way, on, on, on the preceding page, there's artwork from the Scarlet Blade, which looks fantastic, and I'm probably going to pick that up too, but I want to do the recording on Jodorowsky. But I've picked up all four of these of the previous library editions. These are mature theme books, 344 pages. This is full color, hardcover, mature themes. It's oversized. It's 40 bucks. Joe Dorowski is the guy who created the In Call, the Meta Baron, all that stuff that's coming out that we're getting ready to have the movie that's come out. This is the other stories that he's written outside of the In Call, and he does a terrific job. So if you are a fan of Euro comics, more mature European comics, you're going to like his material. And like I said, this is a little bit different. So if you look art on the next two pages, it's not super realistic, but it's kind of a quirky, cool design. I liked it. It says, included in this volume, which is Volume 5, are two of Jodorowsky's collaborations with the esteemed and incomparable George Bess. First, we're introduced to the White Lama, the Tibetan-set mystical adventurer of treachery, martial arts, and spiritual redemption. 
Next, the magical twins tells a young prince and princess epic quest to rescue their father and save the entire kingdom. The story also marks the curiosity in Jodorowsky's career, a story for kids. So he finally has a story for kids because most of his stories have nudity and violence. So that's kind of funny. But I'm going to pick it up because I've, I literally I've never read those two stories. And I like a lot of what he's done. I like his Western stories. I like his sci-fi stories. So this is definitely in my wheelhouse. And like I said, I have the other four volumes. So I'm definitely picking this up. So if you're a fan, just pointing it out to you. On to my next pick. That is the intro to the Saturday morning cartoon from 1983, Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm here to call out on page 357, Dungeons and Dragons, Saturday morning adventures number one. Uh, this is in IDW. Creators are Sam Mags and George Boscagus. I don't know how to say that name, clearly. Creators aren't really important for me on this one. This is just a nostalgic thing for me. In 1983, I was 12, and I watched every episode of this that I could manage to catch on a Saturday morning. It only ran for three seasons and only put out 27 episodes, it says. But I really loved it. It's kind of cheesy. I'm sure this will be a a short-lived book for me, but I'm going to check out the first couple of issues at least. Maybe you will too if you have that same kind of uh, nostalgic vibe, kind of like uh, Gargoyles recently. But that was nostalgic because my kids loved it. This is actually nostalgic from when I was a kid, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe you'll check it out, too. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this is a pick for something that I'm not going to purchase. And you're like, well, why are you doing a clip on it then? Well, I'm not purchasing it because I bought it previously, and it was fantastic. And for those of you who did not pick it up in the past, it's being resolicited here. uh, So you'll get a heck of a discount from. Eric over at Deep Discount Comics. It's on page 373 from Magnetic Press. It's Orphans at the at the bottom half. They have Milo's World at the top of the page, and they have the four volumes of Orphans. Each one of these volumes is $19.99. You'll get, if I had to guess, a 35 or 40% discount on that. And each one of them is about 352 pages. And what's funny is I did clips on this stuff, and I talked about it in the past when I read it, and it's like, for fans of dramatic, action-filled sci-fi like Starship Troopers, Battlestar Galactica, and The Expanse, I had likened this story to Starship Troopers several times. And, you know, Starship Troopers was not the best story at all, but you no, know, I kind of enjoyed it when it came out. I thought it was fun. I thought it was great. This is kind of it. It's telling the, a group of soldiers going all across planets and fighting. So if you are a fan of Starship Troopers, read this. And it's written almost like... I hope this doesn't turn people off, but it's it, it reads almost like manga, but it's not manga because it's definitely Western. It's written by Roberto Rick, Riccioni. I think he's Italian and illustrated by Emiliano Mastramarcari. Uh, I, I'm butchering those names. They're Italian. I'm, I'm almost positive. And so this is an Italian comic on a Starship Troopers type theme written in a manga type story. And it says it's for young adults. I think it's a terrific read. I think you'll enjoy it if you like any of those things I talked about. On to my next pick. Billy Hogan again. My final pick is way back in the back of previews on page 412 from Tomorrow's Publishing with Alter Ego number 181. 
This issue has various writers and artists, and the cover art is done by the late Neil Adams. It's a special Neil Adams issue, paying tribute to one of the giants of the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics, featuring in-depth interviews with Neil by Howard Chaikin, Brian Stroud, and Richard Arndt. Also, a Lost Adams Brave and the Bold cover with Batman and Green Arrow and Unseen Adams art and artifacts, plus FCA, Fawcett Collectors of America, Michael T. Gilbert in Mr. Monster's Comic Crypt, and more. Edited by Roy Thomas, scheduled to be in shops on April 19th for the cover price of ten ninety five. As much as I love Alter Ego magazine and how it looks at various aspects of comic book history, I don't always add it to my order from Discount Comic Book Service because of the cover price, but I couldn't resist this time because it was a tribute issue to the late, great Neil Adams. I remember seeing his art when I was a kid in the early 70s when he signed with DC Comics, and I'm looking forward to reading this retrospective about his career. He was one of the comic book creators who played a key role in getting DC Comics to give Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster a pension at the end of their lives when they were both struggling financially. So I'm looking forward to reading about Neil Adams and his career. Thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book medium. And I want to thank everyone for sending in their clips. And I look forward to hearing what everyone is going to be reading out of this month's previews. Okay, this one is another big one. I'm over on page 428 in a publisher called Whatnot. And I'm pretty sure it's Marvin Daniels, a.k.a. Uh, Viking Joker on the Slack channel, who pointed out the, the new publisher Whatnot. And they came out with some comics. And I was like, honestly, I didn't pick up a lot of those comics. Not that they were bad. I haven't read them. It's a new publisher. Some of it looked like it could be good. Some of it looked like it could not be good. I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. So I, I kind of passed on a lot of it. Uh, they took their game up a lot. And I was kind of blown away this month, both with on page you know, 428 and 432. I'm going to mention something on 432. Okay, I went through the heavy metal section, and you know, normally I just pass it by. Back in the 90s, I'm trying to think, early 90s, late 80s, I used to pick up heavy metal. I used to pick it up when I shouldn't be picking it up as a younger reader <laughs> into the mid-90s until I kind of took a break from comics. Um, but it, there was racy stuff in heavy metal i mean everything from druna and the serpiere stuff to i mean you name it there was just wild stories of like sci-fi action extreme violence nudity i mean it was just a, a treasure trove of what am i going to get i would say it was an anthology done right back in the day or maybe i just enjoyed anthologies more back then well i tried to get back into heavy metal um once I, I can't remember but they picked a new editor or new publisher or not a new publisher but a new editor a while back as like and it didn't work for me i was just like ah this you know some of the stories coming out it's like issue i pick it up and it's part 10 of this story i have no clue what's going on and the other one's part five and the other one's part two and I, i'm reading the stories i'm like there's nowhere to jump on in heavy metal you just got to read it and just kind of muddle your way through wait for this story to finish and then you get a new thing well heavy metal did something and this could really work or it could blow up in their face, and I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm going to give them a shot. Whatnot is 
doing volume two of Heavy Metal. Yes, you heard that right. Whatnot is publishing Heavy Metal Magazine. It's being relaunched with issue number one. And it's saying the legendary sci-fi fantasy and horror magazine commemorates the start of the 46 year, 46 years of this with a brand new number one issue featuring original stories and serials and designed as a fresh jumping on point for new readers. This is what I've been waiting for because when I tried to get into it before, like I said, I couldn't get into it. I need a fresh jumping on point. Here it is. Heavy Metal Entertainment CEO Matthew Medney says, joining forces with What Not Publishing marks a new chapter in Heavy Metal's long history. We see this partnership as the start of a brave new age and mainstream counterculture by Heavy Metal. And there's something else they say here too. I'm going to read this next paragraph because it's, it's kind of cool. Something else I was going to point out. This February, for the first time since its debut in 1977, the magazine will release an all-new issue number one, which will be volume two, and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read any, all, any of the rest of this. But if you flip the page over to page 430, there's the main solicit for it. But on page 431, it says, Heavy Metal number one, 1977 homage. They're doing an homage cover, which I thought was really cool. It harkens back to that first issue of Heavy Metal, which if you guys have ever seen it, I, I knew what the cover was like. This is what that cover was. And it's really cool. And so I'm just so excited. The writers on this, which the writers were not on that main page where they're doing the announcement. It's on page 430. Joe Trauman, I'm, I'm butchering these names. Brian Poston, Matthew Medney, Didier, and Elise Park. All right. I'm not going to say these names because I'm going to butcher every one of them. And I'm not going to say the artist names because I'm looking at them and I can't say those either. I'm expecting good things, hoping for good things. I think this will be cool. It's a jumping on point for heavy metal. I know there's a lot of people who are fans of this stuff. And the other thing that I was just going to mention, there is a new number one comic over on page 432 from whatnot. I almost did a recording for this too, but I'm going to pick up a liquid kill. It looks like it could be really fun, a good read based on what it says, but I'm definitely picking up the heavy metal. I'm hoping that it harkens back to what I remember back in the 90s, that edgy magazine. I'm looking for the edge. I'm looking for something a little racy, a little more out there, something that I can just be surprised with. It's not just run-of-the-mill normal stuff, but at the same time, not too weird to where I'm like, you you almost can't read it. (laughs) So anyways, I'm excited for this one. Hope you guys are. On to my next pick. Hello, this is Marvin, and I'm in the back of the book on page 428, and I'm looking at heavy metal number one. I know James is going to call out this one too, so I won't go on too long, but I did want to point this out as well. This book is relaunching first new number one since 1977 when it originally launched, so that's kind of a big deal. I will probably get the cover E, which is the unrevealed cover at this time. It's supposed to be an homage to the first issue, the original first issue, so... That sounds kind of cool, and I don't like any of the covers that much that I'm in love with them, so I'm going to go with the one that I can't even see. I definitely won't get the Peach Momoko. Anyway, one other thing I want to point out on this is that this book is a cover price of $9.99, which is awesome. The page count you get here, that's a really good value at, I don't know what the page count is, 144 pages for $9.99, and you're going to get a discount, so that's even better. And one of the reasons I want to call that out is I recently dropped this book, because I was digging cutbacks, and this one is more expensive than, you know, your average comic. So it was actually going for $14.99 with the current or previous publisher. And it had gone up steadily over the last few years. So it was like $13.99 for a while, then most recently $14.99. So kind of nice that it's gone back down in price. Hopefully that price sticks and it's not just a first issue thing to get us all drawn back in. But I'll definitely be picking this up now that it's 
relaunching and a little, little less expensive. Hope you check it out too. And I hope everybody found stuff of interest in the various pre-order catalogs this month. I want to thank James, Jason, Billy, Brawlinator, Marvin, and Nicholas for sending in clips. This would have been a much shorter episode without you guys. We've got an open submission policy on the preview spotlight. So anyone can send in clips. All you've got to do is record an MP3 or a WAV file or almost any digital audio file. As long as I know what it is, I can usually deal with it. But if it's not like an MP3, just check with me first, maybe. You can do it on your computer, you can do it on your smartphone, and then just email it to me. We've got a Dropbox link. It is not hard to do. And you don't got to be like James, where you're sending in like about a half hour's worth of clips or whatever. You can send in a single clip of, you know, 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. That's great. I want to get more people participating, just so we can get more viewpoints, more different types of material, and things of that sort. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight is the second Saturday of the month, regardless of when these catalogs ship, because... Different distributors, different shipping dates. They're they're available in plenty of time for the second Saturday every month. You can always check the main page of the comic book page website for the latest information on the deadlines. There's also a place where you can sign up for email reminders. I send the reminder out two Wednesdays before the deadline and the Wednesday before the deadline. Just you've got a, hey, you should be thinking about it, and a, hey, you got to get it in a couple of days kind of reminders. The deadline for the next one for the January previews is going to be 9 a.m., Saturday, January 14th, 2023. That's also going to be the deadline for submissions for the Yearly Comics Spotlight. Now, if you want to participate in the Yearly Comics Spotlight, we don't do audio clips for that. We've got a thread on the forum. All you've got to do is copy my top post. It's got a bunch of questions. There are square brackets for each one. Inside the square brackets, just put your answers. I've got a program that'll go pillage the the forum for the information put it in a format that's really easy for James and I to kind of use for recording, and we'll be recording that a couple of days after January 14th. So would love to get a lot of submissions for that. We streamlined the questions. There's not as many as last year because that was that was literally seven and a half hours worth of recording for James and I, and then I had to go edit all of that. And I've spent like all day just editing this episode. Editing takes a lot of time. I simplified the questions, hopefully... The recording and the editing takes less time, but I still want to get your input, find out what you guys are enjoying, what's working for you, what's not, and why. Both the preview spotlight and the early comic spotlight, this is how I find out about new titles. And I'll be honest, I had a really hard time this month and last month finding some things I, I felt were solid picks for me to do clips on. Now, part of it with Marvel is, I, I kid you not, I don't think there's that much I'm getting from Marvel this month. I mean... Maybe a dozen items, but part of it is they've gotten a little ahead on their solicitation schedule and stuff like that. It felt like half the Marvel previews was stuff on last month's order form, but I I talked about that last time. It's crazy. Anyways, by participating in the preview spotlight, in the early comic spotlight, it's a great way to share your love of comics and kind of promote the comics you're enjoying, get others of us on board with those titles. That helps the titles. It helps us find good stuff to read. It's good for you because it's more likely those titles stick around. I mean, it's it's a win all the way around for everybody involved. So again, we've got an open submission policy on the preview spotlight, on the early comics spotlight. It's easy to get on the forum and on the Slack channel. For the forum, you've got to not only fill out the, hey, I want to join the forum, but then also email me so I know you're an actual person behind the email address. 
we've gotten a lot of, of spam bots kind of trying to register for the forum in the past. But easy to get involved with the community, and I hope you will choose to do so. So with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.